Hi, I'm Beck, and today on Baseball Explained, I'll be walking you through what each front office does in the offseason to make sure their team is ready for the upcoming season. During the offseason, any team can do whatever they want, whether that be adding a player through free agency or adding them through trade. This means that there are lots of players that are free agents. This means that any team can sign them for however much money that the player and the team agree on. Just because there are a lot of free agents doesn't mean that they are all equal and are going to make the same amount of money. Some free agents can make up to $30 million a year, while some might not even get major league contracts. Right now I'll explain the two main types of contracts. Those two types are major league contracts and minor league contracts. If a player is expected to provide a good amount of value to a team, they will typically get a major league contract. Major league contracts can range in value from under $1 million to $30 million per year. A player typically only gets a minor league contract if they're not expected to perform at a high level the next year or they're coming off an injury. The reason a team would sign a player to a minor league contract is because the player is not expected to play well, and if they don't play well during spring training, the team can release him and not have to pay any money. Now I'll walk through and explain an example for each major league and minor league signing. First, we'll look at a major league signing. On Monday, the Blue Jays announced that they signed Tyler Chatwood to a major league contract. He is guaranteed to make $3 million, so even if they cut him right now, they would still have to pay him $3 million. He could also make $5.5 million in incentives. This means that if he performs well enough, he has a chance to make that $5.5 million. Now on to the minor league contract. On Tuesday, the Diamondbacks announced that they had signed Ryan Buchter to a minor league contract. The reason they, he wasn't able to get a major league contract is that he is 33 years old right now, which is, while it's younger normally for a person, is kind of old for a baseball player, especially a pitcher. And he's also a not very consistent pitcher. He'll make $950,000 if he's able to make the major league roster out of spring training. There are many routes to free agency, but the main way to become a free agent is to accumulate six years of service time. This means that you have played for at least six years. The only reason you wouldn't be able to become a free agent is if you are currently under contract with an MLB team. So if a player signed a five-year contract before the 2018 season, he would not be able to become a free agent until after the 2022 season, except if his team chose to release him. The second way is for a team to non-tender the player. This means a player has anywhere between three and almost six years of service time. A team will non-tender a player if they don't want to offer him arbitration. Arbitration is where the team and the player both submit whatever salary they think the player should be paid to a judge. The judge then decides which salary figure is more accurate. The player is then paid that amount in the upcoming season. In a later episode, I'll go over more in detail about arbitration, but that is mainly how it works. There are other ways to become a free agent, but it is very rare that they ever happen. An example of that is Kyle Schwarber. Kyle Schwarber was non-tendered by the Cubs this year, which means they didn't think that he's worth what a judge would say he's worth, so they decided to let him become a free agent. The Nationals then signed him for $10 million, which was about what he was expected to get in arbitration. Right now I'm going to go over the best free agent signings for each team. The reason that free agent signing might be the best is because the player 
outperformed what their salary was, and they played better than the team and the player expected to. So I'll start in the American League East and go to the American League Central, and then the American League West, and then go to the National League in that same order. So I'll start with the Yankees. Well, I think their best contract was when they signed Masahiro Tanaka in 2014. They gave him seven years and $155 million, expecting that he wouldn't become an ace, but still a good starter. And that's exactly what he did. Masahiro Tanaka has been a very solid starter ever since 2014. Moving on to the Tampa Bay Rays, their best contract is Charlie Morton. He's a he was signed after winning the World Series with the Astros to a two-year and $30 million contract. They expected he'd become a good middle-of-the-rotation starter, but instead he became their ace and helped, them, helped lead them to the World Series in 2020. Moving on to the Red Sox, their best contract was J.D. Martinez. Although it's not over yet, Martinez has definitely played very well for the Red Sox. Signed in 2018 for five years and $110 million. Martinez has hit, J.D. Martinez has hit very well since. Moving on to the Blue Jays. Their best contract was in 2011 when they signed Edwin Encarnacion to a two-year contract worth $6 million. He, he hit very well and became one of their best hitters along with Jose Bautista who later signed a one-year $18 million contract in 2017 that ended up being one of their worst. Moving on to the Baltimore Orioles, their best signing was when in 2012 when they signed Wei Yin Chen to a four-year $15 million contract. He was signed out of Japan, and although they expected him to become a solid starter, and for some years he was more of a back-end type of guy, he was still very good, having a 3.72 ERA in his four seasons in Baltimore. He was later signed by Miami and turned out to be not a great signing for them. Moving on to the AL Central, the Minnesota Twins' best contract was in 2019 when they signed Nelson Cruz to a two-year $26 million contract. He was still older back then when he signed a two-year contract. Most of the time, older players aren't able to get a two-year contract for that amount of money, but he is a very good hitter and led the league in home runs in the 2010s with 346. He's been very good for Nelson. He's been very good for the Twins since, and they're trying to sign him for the 2021 season. Moving on to the Cleveland Indians, which have later, which has just turned into the Cleveland baseball team. Their best contract was in 2016 when they signed Mike Napoli to a one-year $7 million contract. This contract really helped them get to the World Series because Napoli was their primary first baseman and hit a lot in the World Series as well. Moving on to the White Sox, their best contract was in 2014 when they signed Jose Abreu to a six-year, $68 million contract. He's been very good since, playing every single game of his career with the White Sox. He won the MVP in 2020, even though he was not still on that contract. But he's been one of their best players in the White Sox history, 
and he continues to be one of the finest Cuban-born players in baseball. The best contract for the Kansas City Royals was Edinson Volquez in 2015. They signed to a two-year $20 million for the 2015-2016 seasons. Volquez was the final piece that added to the puzzle to make one of the best rotations in baseball in 2015. He helped them to get to the World Series and definitely helped them win it. Moving on to the Tigers, their best contract was in 2011 when they signed Victor Martinez to a four-year $50 million contract. This was the first Victor Martinez contract, although the second one wasn't nearly as good. He even finished second in the 2014 AL MVP vote after leading the league in on-base percentage and OPS. The second Victor Martinez contract, four years and $68 million, was a huge mistake as he produced a negative WAR, which means he was a below-average player. When you're making four years $68 million, you're expected to be one of the best players on the team. Moving on to the Houston Astros, their best contract was also a Charlie Morton contract, signed in 2017 for two years and $14 million. He helped them win the 2017 World Series. He went 29-10 and 10 with a 3.36 ERA in his two years as a Houston Astro. Moving on to the Oakland Athletics, their best contract was in 2014 when they inked Scott Casimir to a two-year $22 million contract. Billy Bean has made a lot of budget, low-risk signings, and Scott Casimir was one of them. He went 15-9 with a 3.55 ERA and made the All-Star team in 2014. Then after a good first half the following season, the A's flipped him to the Astros for Daniel Mengden and Jacob Nottingham. Moving over to the Texas Rangers, their best contract was in 2011 when they signed Adrian Beltre to a six-year $96 million deal. One of the best signings of the decade, Beltre ranked third in the majors in WAR behind Mike Trout and Robinson Cano over those six seasons, transforming him from a very good player into somebody that's definitely going to get into the Hall of Fame. Moving over to the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, their best contract was in 2014 when they signed Joe Smith to a three-year $15.75 million contract. It was an unusually long contract for a reliever, but Smith was a solid workhorse reliever in his two-plus seasons with the Angels, going 13-11 with 26 saves and a 2.89 ERA, showing that you don't need to throw hard to be one of the better relief pitchers in the league. Moving over to the Seattle Mariners, their best contract was in 2015 when they signed Nelson Cruz to a four-year, $57 million contract. Nelson Cruz was a very good signing for both the Mariners and the Twins, as he's been very good in the in the 2010s. The contract was ri- widely criticized at the time due to Cruz's age, but he was a beast in his four seasons in Seattle, leading the majors with 161 home runs despite despite playing in a tough home park, tough home run park, and ranking fourth in RBIs despite having little offensive support with the Mariners. Moving over to the National Leagues with the Atlanta Braves, their best contract was only a year or two ago in 2019 when they signed Josh Donaldson to a one-year, $23 million contract. This was a perfect example of a contract 
that was not really going to hurt either Donaldson or the Braves. It ended up being a very good steal for the Braves as Josh Donaldson went on to have a 6.1 WR season, higher than Ronald Acuna Jr. or Freddie Freeman. He'll, he's a very good player and got a large contract out of the Minnesota Twins the following year. The best contract for the Washington Nationals was obviously Max Scherzer, as he was signed to a big contract, which normally isn't good for the team, yet he's been one of the top five pitchers in baseball ever since. Moving over to the New York Mets, their best contract was in 2014 when they signed Bartolo Colon to a two-year $20 million deal. He went 29-26 with a 4.13 ERA while throwing 397 innings during that time. He was even better when they re-signed him for 2016, and he went 15-8 with a 3.43 ERA. Moving over to the Miami Marlins, their best contract was way back in 2011 when they signed Javier Vasquez to a one-year $7 million deal. He went 13-11 with a 3.69 ERA in his one season in Miami, and was very good in his last season before he retired. Moving over to the National League Central with the St. Louis Cardinals, their best contract was Matt Holliday when they signed him to seven years and $120 million back in 2010. He's one of the iconic players in the St. Louis Cardinals in, 2000, in the 2010s, helping them win the 2011 World Series while also helping the Yankees get to the postseason in 2017. Moving over to the Milwaukee Brewers, their best contract was Lorenzo Cain in 2018. Although the deal isn't done yet, it still seems like Cain, who got five years and $80 million, is going to be a definite steal for the Milwaukee Brewers. The Chicago Cubs' best contract is John Lester, who just signed with the Nationals this offseason. But back in 2015, he signed a six-year $155 million contract with the Cubs. He's been a solid pitcher over those six years, helping the Cubs win the 2016 World Series. The best contract for the Cincinnati Reds was in 2010 when they signed Aroldis Chapman to a six-year, $30.25 million contract and immediately converted him from a starter to one of the best strikeout relievers in the game's history. He's been incredible for the Yankees, Cubs, and Reds since coming to the MLB and has gotten the biggest contract ever for a lever when he signed with the Yankees after the 2016 season. The Pittsburgh Pirates, who don't normally, who don't normally send, sign players to large contracts, got a good deal with Russell Martin in 2013 when they signed him to a two-year $17 million contract, mainly because of his good defense on the Dodgers. Martin was a big contributor on two playoff teams with his defense, leadership, and a Three, on a 362 on-base percentage, which the Pirates definitely valued. Moving over to the National League West, the Los Angeles Dodgers' best contract was in 2017 when they signed Justin Turner to a four-year $64 million contract. This was after they salvaged him from free agency after the Mets released him back after the 2013 season. Although Hinjin Ryu's six-year, $36 million contract proved to be a bargain, Justin Turner's definitely helped them win the 2020 World Series. 
Moving over to the Arizona Diamondbacks, their best contract was in 2019 when they signed Eduardo Escobar to a three-year $21 million deal. Although the contract isn't over yet, it still seems like it was a steal after they got him in 2018 from the Twins in the deadline, in the deadline trade. The San Francisco Giants' best contract was when they signed Aubrey Huff to a one-year $3 million contract in 2010. Although he hasn't been very popular after his career, he was very popular in 2010 when he hit 290 with 100 runs and 86 RBIs as the team's best hitter. It's hard to find a good free agent contract that the Rockies have signed, but they did sign a good one back in 2010 when they inked Rafael Betancourt to a two-year $7.55 million deal. Even though he wasn't the most flashy player, he had a lot of good seasons in Colorado as a quality reliever. Moving on to the Padres, they've had a lot of good contracts lately, but perhaps the best was in 2015 when they signed James Shields to a four-year $75 million contract. He was very good. He was fairly good for the Padres in in a couple of years, but he was traded for Fernando Tatis Jr., who's now their best player by far. Thank you for listening to Baseball Explained. Next week, we'll dive into free agency more thoroughly, explaining different things such as arbitration. But for now, that's going to be it.